Thank you to our sponsor, the Open Society Foundations, an organization that works to build vibrant and inclusive societies whose governments are accountable and open to participation of all people. And welcome to another episode of Tell Black Stories podcast. I'm your host, Rashad Robinson, president of Color of Change. The Tell Black Stories podcast was created as an extension of Color of Change's Hollywood work, an initiative changing the written and unwritten rules in Hollywood. We collaborate with like-minded insiders and influencers to change representations of black people and issues affecting black people across the media landscape. Today I am here with internationally celebrated visual artist and author of Stop Telling Women to Smile, Tatiana Fazla-Lizadeh. Tatiana, thank you for coming to chat with us on Tell Black Stories. Thank you. At Color of Change, we fight to create a world where black women and girls' lives and stories not only matter, they are centered. From ending the protection of abusers like R. Kelly to ensuring our black girls aren't freely stripped and searched at schools. We have consistently fought to the protection of black women and girls from abuse and neglect. And so I am thrilled to talk with you about your work and about your book, Stop Telling Women to Smile. I wanna talk you to talk a little with us about your upbringing. You know, um, lots of times people uh, find out folks on their journey after they've sort of gotten to a certain level. They're publishing a book. Mm -hmm. People have viewed their art. Um, and it can be kind of um, hard for people to even think about their own journey, about how they um, move through the world, become uh, more aware, more engaged, more active. Um, but we all don't start where they kind of see us now. And so I'd love for you to kind of share your journey. Sure, yeah, so I grew up in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, I love that about myself. I love that about my upbringing. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I've been here for almost eight years, but whenever people ask me where I'm from, I'm, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. Um, you know, I grew up with a black mother. Uh, my father died when I was a baby, so it was me and my mom and my older brother. Um, on the east side of Oklahoma City, which is the black, you know, lower income part of the city. Um, my mom was an artist, and so I think I picked it up from her, you know, though I didn't start actually drawing and creating art until uh, later in like my high school career. Um, and once I did, I was very interested in the things that I'm interested in now. The work that I make now, I was, you know, sort of making back then, which is work that is about black folks, that is about women, about queer folks. I was always interested in that because that's kind of where I came from. My mom was very black, very um, pro-black, very, um, very much so teaching me about black history and mm -hmm. black life and black culture. Um, and that was just sort of like influencing my work. Um, so by the time I got to college, I was just the black kid in class and in mostly white class making work about race. Um, I was that kid, I was that artist. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma, that's where I'm from. I'd love to talk about, to start with your art series and talk a little bit about the art series in 2012 um, that sort of captured people's attention um, and, and really helped to uh, launch conversations that had not, you know, that had not been happening, um, especially out in public spaces in really clear ways. Um, I'd love to you know, talk a little bit about sort of the inspiration for that, to use your art in that way and sort of how you were received initially um, as opposed to sort of how you feel like you're received now. 
Yeah, I started Stop Telling Women to Smile, the street art series that's about um, street harassment, catcalling, gender-based street harassment, um, when I was living in Philadelphia in 2012. And, you know, it was, again, me trying to take who I am as a person, the things that happened to me, my experiences, and put it into my work. Um, and so, you know, when I moved to Philadelphia when I was 17, I immediately started receiving um, catcalls and street harassment, this really sort of public sexual harassment that happened in a very much more aggressive way than it was happening when I was in Oklahoma. When I was in Oklahoma, you know, I was a teenager. It's also not really a pedestrian city. You drive everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really experiencing that much street harassment. When I moved to Philly, it became an everyday thing and really just sort of this everyday thing that I had to deal with as this girl growing into a woman. Um, and, you know, I wanted to create art about it, something that was using my skill, using my talent, using what I'm into, my passion, and talking about a thing that happens to me, that's very personal to me, my own experience. So the work was born out of that. Um, I started putting up these posters around the city, and then I moved to Brooklyn and I started putting them up here. The posters are portraits of women with text underneath them that speaks directly to their experiences of street harassment. So things like my name isn't baby or women aren't seeking your validation. Um, really talking about how we are treated and how we want to be treated. So saying stop treating me this way and treat me this way. Um, and putting that up into the street and forcing the public to really confront this thing that happens not just to me but to women really all over. Um, and so that was 2012. You know, And here we are in 2020. The project is still going. It's an ongoing project along with other projects that I'm doing at the same time, other um, public art campaigns, other paintings and just work that I've done, um, and a book, you know, writing a book about it. So what I've learned over the years from doing this work for so long is that how street harassment happens, how sexual harassment happens, and sexism in general happens to people is really based upon their other identities as well. So it's not just being a woman, right? It's being um, a queer woman, being a trans woman, being a black woman. Like, what does it look like when we look at the whole of a person, mm -hmm. all of the identities of these women that are being harassed in the street, um, and really bring that out and really talk about that. Um, complicating the idea of sexual harassment in a way that gets us close, closer, I think, to solutions for it. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about the written and unwritten rules, the written rules of policy, but also really trying to lean into those unwritten rules of culture that yeah. in so many ways shapes how we get to live. If we only focus yeah. on policies and like we are being really naive to actually how um, systems and culture and structure operate to prioritize some people's experience over others and some people's safety and liberation. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really also interested in all of the ways in which um, the sort of harassment and the acceptance of harassment and all of the things that sort of stem from that forces a kind of policing on black women and black girls from an early age. Mm -hmm. Don't dress like that. Mm -hmm. Don't wear that. Mm -hmm. um, the sort of ways in which um, people who are already under attack are then made to feel like they are doing something that is um, potentially um, uh, inviting it. Right. Um, I'd love for you to like talk about that a little bit and how you've like worked that into your and even looking at the book how you talked mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of this is cultural stuff, yes. right? It's stuff that we were born to. Um, that we were taught as, as after we were born. So we've been yeah. socialized since we were kids and babies to be certain ways, that this is the way gender works, this is what 
this is the way that a man is, this is the way that a woman is, this is what's going to happen to you. Um, as a little girl, you have to expect men to be aggressive to you, to be um, sexually aggressive to you, and you, and it's on you to stop that, right? So don't wear certain things, um, don't go out at a certain time. You know, when I was a little girl, like I noticed the way that I was treated differently than, say, my cousin who was two weeks older than me, mm -hmm. you know, who was a boy. Um, and the things that I was told and the way that I was taught to sort of hide my body, to um, not necessarily be ashamed of my body, but that's what it instilled in me, to be ashamed of my body, to hide it with big clothes so that I don't invite attention to myself. Um, we put it on girls, especially I think young black girls, to, um, to not be fast, to not be, you know, mm -hmm. um, because if they are, then they're the ones who are inviting that attention from boys, from grown men, right? So a lot of this is undoing that stuff, you know? As an artist, I am trying to change culture. Like you said, culture is a thing. There's not just policy, it's not just law. It's how we interact with each other as human beings, how we um, perform in society, you know? And I think that that can be changed. And so that's what I'm trying to do with the work. I'm trying to say that this is how it's been, this is what is happening. Um, now, how can we change that? And I'm trying to use art to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is to say to young girls and to women and to non-binary folks, to femmes, to say that, you know, you have agency over yourself, you know? Um, it is not on us to necessarily change or to quell the behavior of men. Mm -hmm. um, and it's on men to sort of undo the, a lot of the things that they've been taught about manhood, about masculinity, um, saying this is how I'm supposed to attract women, how I'm supposed to approach women. How do we change that and not make it so toxic, not make it so aggressive, um, so violent um, to women, mm -hmm. and not put all of the work on black women and girls to fix it? ourselves you know I really appreciated um, how you talk about and really dig into like the sort of nuances and intersections of our of our experiences you know I, I grew up feeling like my behavior was policed in, in other ways right like uh, don't hold your hand that way you don't want to be clocked right as, right. as gay like you want right. to be able to fit in in you know in many different situations um, and certainly can see even the remnants of it today, of ways in which I show up, deepen my voice in certain situations, uh, you know, stand up a little differently, uh, and almost do it reflexively. Um, that sort of like, um, uh, when we don't have specific sort of um, analysis of how things impact communities, and we have like blanket, I'm just interested if you can talk a little bit about sort of what that leads to. I, there was like, you know, a piece in your book around like white womanhood. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, ways in which uh, feminism or racism or um, homophobia or transphobia um, without deeper levels of specificity um, get us to solutions that don't actually always deal with the challenges, particularly of the folks who are oftentimes at the at the end, receiving end of the most pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, um I think it's important in whatever we are talking about, in this case, sexism, mm -hmm. you know, um, to really dig deeper into what it looks like, um, how complicated it is for different folks, um, in order to really get to the most vulnerable of us, to protect mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the point is for us all to be free, I think, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, freedom means that I'm able to live my life as who I am, safely and freely, without fear of violence, without fear of my life being taken, or my livelihood um, not being able to live to its fullest. Mm -hmm. And so if we're trying to do that, we have to think about how, say, a black trans girl in New York 
is going to be experiencing sexual harassment and street harassment first, um, or more so, and prioritize that story and that narrative because this is one of the most vulnerable people amongst us. Amongst us. And that's talking as someone who's a woman, as someone who is a black person. Um, when we talk about race and we're fighting for um, black folks, we have to think about the most vulnerable of black mm -hmm. folks, you know, all of us. Um, are dependent upon the most vulnerable us of us being free and being safe. Um, and so that's why it's important, and you see that in the book that I break things down by different mm. identities, yeah. right? You know, so it's not just how I'm experiencing street harassment, it's not about me anymore, it's about how someone with disabilities is experiencing it, how someone who is queer is experiencing it, um, fat phobia, transphobia, all of these things, um, so that we are able to really treat people better and mm. understand how they are being treated unfairly, specifically. Yeah. Part of um, you know how we think about and talk about narrative here is also through the frame of like infrastructure. Like, what is our ability to reach more people? Mm -hmm. Right? You know, we live in a, a capitalist society where certain people's voices, art, culture is prioritized. It moves quicker. Channels are set up for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a way in which things that we create, things that we build, um, can't even always don't don't always even reach our people. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in sort of how the work with um, She's Gotta Have It and, and Spike Lee as your, your role as art consultant, how other work you're doing in terms of popularizing this, mm -hmm. um, you know, even starting out, you know, doing street art with, and, you know, for the people in community, uh, sort of how you think about your engagement with community because art can be um, such a, have so, so many barriers to yeah. engagement. Yeah. Yeah, and engaging with community is a major part of this work, a major mm. part of my work in general. You know, I'm a portrait artist, mm. and everybody that I draw or paint is someone that I have talked to, have had a conversation with. Mm. You know, I specifically sought them out because I wanted to hear their story. Who are you? What do you go through? And how can I reflect that experience of what you go through back to the public? Um, and one way to do that is street art, right? Another way to do that is maybe a TV show or a book, you know? Mm. Um, I'm expanding my work to different audiences and to different media, but the theme of the work, the intention of the work, the passion of the work, it's all the same. It's all focusing on telling the stories of black folks, of women, of queer folks, of femmes. Um, I'm lucky in that I'm able to sort of like reach these other audiences and people. I was nervous about it, I wasn't sure, yeah. you know. Um, you know, I grew up drawing and painting and that was it. I'm, I'm a draw and I'm a yeah. paint and that's what I'm gonna do for a living. Yeah. And I'm finding myself able to do that for a living, but the work is being, um, shown in these different ways, in these different arenas, and I think that... Um, Has there been anything really surprising about the process? I mean, if you went in nervous, mm -hmm. you probably had a whole set of things that you were... When I go into things nervous, I'm always thinking like, oh, I don't want this to happen or that yeah. to happen. How was that, you know? Yeah, well, you know, like looking at um, She's Gotta Have It in particular, yeah. you know, yeah. this was taking... My work, the work that Nola does in the yeah. street yeah. is inspired my work. You know, yeah. Spike brought it to me. I want you to be the artist for this. It's going to be based off of your project. Um, her street art project is going to be based off of yours. And I was really nervous about that because this is something that, like you said, it's in the street. It's physically in the street. It's for mm -hmm. the people. It's for the community. It's for women. Um, and so it felt kind of like selling out a little bit mm -hmm. to like go have it be sort of reappropriated into this um, show, you know? Um, and I wasn't sure about that. I had to sit with it for a long time. Um, but ultimately I trusted myself as an artist knowing that I was going to be doing the work. Um, and I had to put some trust in Spike, you know, understanding mm -hmm. that he got it, that he understood mm -hmm. it, and that he um, was going to treat it with care. And I, th I think that we did that with the show. So, yeah. yeah. 
I'm interested, so you talk a lot in the book about allyship. And as I even think about sort of what, what are the things for people who are listening, um, who A, may try to take themselves out of the equation, like, oh, I don't do that, so mm -hmm. I'm good. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like, there's all sorts of ways. There's I mean, a lot you talk. Of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you I mean you talk about um, you know cis hetero men, but I am like w well aware of ways in which gay yeah. men um, you know um, are complicit mm -hmm. and and can be leaders mm -hmm. in some of this stuff um, mm -hmm. as well, and and don't believe there should be like an out um, right. for for um, that aspect of my community. Um, I'm interested though. Um, for people who are listening, um, who should buy the book um, and buy multiple <laughs> copies, um, people who are listening or watching, um, who either A, are taking themselves out the equation, or B, might be a problem, or might have people kind of in their lives who they are enabling mm -hmm. um, by not saying something. Sort of what are the things that people should be doing, thinking about, engaging? Um, I'm interested, as we deal with these written rules, there's no policy, right? right. There could be policies, but, there's, but the policy is not as clear as like cultural behavioral change that right. happens through cultural movements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a good question, and it's something that I've been trying to develop a good answer for over the years. Um, because, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind when I think about allies and I think about people um, not removing themselves from the problem of sexual harassment and street harassment and actually doing something about it and getting into the fight um, is that I, I think about, you know, if people really understand if I'm articulating well enough just the um, how serious it is, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it really is serious. I think a lot of people think that it's, you know, women who are just, uh, you know, can't take a compliment, they say, or that yeah. it's, um, should find it flattering. Um, but I don't know, so I don't know if people really understand the violence of it. Um, and then I think people do understand the violence of it and they're just not taking it seriously. Um, because women have been saying how violent it is for years, for a very long time, um, before this work and after this work. So it's like if you understand the sheer abuse that women go through when we walk down the streets every day, um, the verbal abuse, the um, physical abuse, it gets physically violent, women are assaulted. Um, you know, if we really understand that, we really have a good understanding that this is something that affects us physically, emotionally, mentally every day, then I think that everybody would want to get into the fight, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody would be like, all right, what can I do about this? Um, and I think men, and I, you know, when I say men, you know, I do think mostly about cis men because we know that they are the most violent yeah. amongst mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I dedicate a chapter in the book to them talking specifically saying, hey, yeah. you know, you are the problem. And I know the men who are like, it's not me, I'm a good guy, you know? You know, I, I know those guys. Um, and I have to say to them that like, listen, this is happening to most of the women that you know. This is happening to all of us. Um, in some way, you are a part of it. You have told a sexist joke, you have made a sexist comment, you have um, listened to one and didn't say anything or didn't stop it. Um, you've seen a dude yelling on the street at a woman before. Um, maybe you noticed, the, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. happening all around us. So I would say to folks to really pay attention to what's happening around you, to be vigilant about stopping sexism, to listen to the women and the femmes in your life, to what they tell you, believe them. Um, listen to what they say to you when mm -hmm. they tell you what's happening to them, believe them, um, and what they say that you should do.
and to recognize how you are a part of the problem, to really do a deep dive and think about yourself, get introspective and think like, how have I been a, a part of the problem? I do this myself as a cis woman, you know? Mm -hmm. Have I been in some way violent or non-active um, when it comes to trans women's rights and what they go through? Have I, like, what am I doing? Um, and so I encourage everyone, men in particular, to, um, you know, really look at themselves and mm -hmm. think about, you know, how they have possibly been a part of problem and mm -hmm. how they can possibly, you know, um, fix it and be a part of the solution. When you've seen people maybe change or have aha moments or come to some better conclusions, are there sort of elements or ingredients there that matter? Mm -hmm. I mean, I like mm -hmm. will sometimes hear um, men be like, well, I have a daughter and I like cringe. I'm like, do you need a daughter to right, like exactly. be, to like be, to treat women better, like, and I'm like, if that is the thing, then I'm like worried about, like. Even then, when they say yes. stuff like that, it's still coming from a very sexist. Sex because yeah, because I'm like now, like my job as a man is to protect this daughter, right. not like. So I'm I'm interested in like, what are the sort of ingredients? What are the things you've seen that have helped where where people have started moving in a better direction. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, for the folks that I have seen around me, um, well, I, I will say one of the things that I think has made a huge difference is just the sheer amount of folks who are more vocal now about their experiences. I think that um, movements like the Me Too movement, just social media in general, has allowed more women to be heard, you know? Mm. Um, and so you are seeing and hearing more women and femmes saying and telling their stories when before we weren't, you know? Um, before this project, I wasn't really talking about this, you know? I was venting on the phone to my best friend about some dude who's trying to holler at me on the street and got violent with me. But that was it, you know? Um, until I started to become more vocal about it using my work. And so I will say that I think that that's one of the things that's contributing, if anything, to people um, changing their behavior or just becoming more aware of the issues of sexual harassment is the fact that more women are being more vocal about it, um, which I think is great. Um, and then, you know, I think it's, um, again, I think it's, you know, looking at yourself and saying like, you know, I've had conversations with male friends of mine who have been like, yo, um, I've started to think about situations I've been in where maybe the woman wasn't comfortable and I thought mm -hmm. that she was, or I am thinking of situations that I've been in in my life recently where, you know, I felt very aggressive and I think that this woman smiling and nodding at me was an example of her simply being uncomfortable and not wanting, you know, like these are mm -hmm. conversations that I have with men. Um, and for them to like recognize that and be like, I don't want to be that person, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that, and I don't want to make a woman experience that. Um, I think starting there is one of the things that I've seen as well, you know. So part of the Tell Black Stories program at Color of Change is always about how do we intersect with creativity and art to spark social change? How do we see these things as aligned and connected? And I'm sure you probably have lots of young kind of up-and-coming artists who probably come up to you and want your advice, want um, um, some feedback or want tips about their path forward. I'd, I'd love for you to share anything that you would share to someone or even maybe share with the sort of high school, mm -hmm. post-high school um, Tatiana who um, was thinking about um, the path forward. Yeah. Yeah, I would say start with what you have and start with your story. You know, start with who you are, mm -hmm. what is your experience, understand that whatever that experience is, yeah. it's important, 
and we want to hear it and we want to know about it. Um, and start with what you have, you know. I created this project with a pencil and paper. It's literally just a drawing, you know. When I went out into the street, made some wheat paste and did something that was based on my experience because I wanted men to stop telling me to smile, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I would encourage folks, even to myself, you know, I have these huge ideas and I have projects that I want to work on and sometimes they feel like a little big, a little too, mm -hmm. they feel intimidating, right? And so I have to tell myself to just start with what I have. Like, who do I have around me? Um, who could help me out uh, is this an important thing that I feel really strongly about and if so just do it you know so I would say that to any high school student or any person that's just trying to like make something um, or really wants to make something just like just start with what you have in front of you so final question we ask this to every person who comes through the tell black stories um, podcast part of the idea of tell black stories is like specific stories right like Black stories are unique. Oftentimes when we talk about a black picture, it's like they have to have every single black character mm. or people get mad. And I'm like, or they'll or we'll get mad that there's another slave movie. I'm like, how many World War II movies are there right, every right. year? Like they can find a hundred different angles mm -hmm. to show World War II. Like we should have thousands and upon thousands of stories to tell that portray the way in which American black American servitude created this country, mm -hmm. um, and um, and more, right? Mm -hmm. What for you though are the stories, um, the black stories that need to be told, that should be told, a, a story that you know of or that you've seen that you would want to be told in bigger ways for more people to, mm -hmm. to experience? I love that question because I have an answer for it. So oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Lots of times people are like, oh, man, Rashad. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I'm from Oklahoma City, you know, yeah. and a lot of times when I moved to Philadelphia at 17, people would ask me, oh, there's black people in Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. Like, really, and I think Oklahoma is getting some shine now with um, Watchmen, Watchmen yeah. right? You know, in the Tulsa Massacre. Tulsa, Tulsa, yeah. Um, Centennial is coming up next year, and so, um, but I want to hear more stories about black folks from middle America, from middle of the country, mm -hmm. um, from places like Oklahoma. You know, I, are there black people, you know, what are the black people doing in middle America? What's happening in Missouri and Idaho and Wisconsin? You know what I mean? All of those places. Yeah. Um, and so I'm working on a project right now actually called America is Black that is looking at stories of black folks across America from places that you don't necessarily consider or think about. Yeah. Um, starting with Oklahoma, I did a show last year called Oklahoma is Black, just looking at, you know, who are these regular black folks just living their lives yeah. on the east side of Oklahoma City? That's what I'm interested in because that's where I come from. Um, so I'm interested in telling more of those stories and, and I will hope to this year. Yeah. America is black. Yes. We're going to look out for it. Yeah. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Tatiana. We yeah. so appreciate you joining us. Good luck with this book. Thank but you. more importantly, good luck with everything you are doing out in the world. We um, like are just so appreciative of folks that are willing to put themselves out there um, and help make the case for a more just, a more for yeah. fair, and a more equitable society. Yeah. So appreciate you. you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for you. all of your work too. Well, thank you. For sure. All right. <laughs>